You're listening to the One Shot Archery Podcast. All right, and welcome back to episode two, and happy new year, 2023. All right, so sorry we're getting our episode two out a little late. Um, Lainey and I have just been super busy. We did actually honestly record this, and <laughs> technology failed us, so um, we're recording, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, 2023 is off to a good start. You and I have both been pounding right now on our bows, a lot of practice time in right now. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of recap for a minute. Um, a little bit. It's it's indoor season right now. Really hot, heavy into that. Um, a lot of people, including you, went back in December to the um, Hoosier Pro-Am 690 in Indiana. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was a good little fun shoot out in indiana um, i'd never been to it before and i had known about it for about a week prior before the shoot actually happened um just just was one of those on the whims you know i've been i've personally been shooting indoors since probably oh end of september beginning mm-hmm. of october ish time yeah you know and so I, I had a few months or a couple months under my belt at that point you know beginning of december and I was just kind of ready to test what I've been doing under pressure because, I mean, we could practice all we want, but when we put ourselves in tournament situations, things change. So we went up there. Uh, my buddy Shelly and I, we shoot a lot. We we practice a couple times a week together. Um, so we drove up there together and stayed, and it was a good little shoot. First day, we shot a five-spot round. Um, X's scored a sixes, so... Um, that's how it added up to 690 um because it was a 360 and then a 330 um the second day the 330 was a vegas round where the x's counted as 11s so i had a pretty solid time i shot 57 x's the first day um and i can't remember how many the second day it was like 21 or 22 something like that um, just a couple mental errors, you know, but it was, it was an eye opener. And ever since then, you know, I did come home and change some things, you know, it, it's, that's what you got to do. You got to go and figure out what's working great when mm-hmm. you don't feel that pressure. Okay. And what buckles whenever you do get that pressure because things change. Um, and even this past week, you know, with Lancaster coming up, one of the really big shoots, and we had uh, Iowa Pro Am. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the nice thing about us recording recording now. We can talk about this stuff too, right? <laughs> but right. you know, I but uh, Iowa Pro Am, you know, was happening. So that that was kind of the, I guess, the bigger shoot with bigger names that kind of kicks the year off. And Neves mm-hmm. is going to be coming up here, and then it'll be Lancaster before you know it. But you know, this past week. I practiced shooting every other round. So I sat out for about six to seven minutes between three arrows, you know, shooting a a Lancaster round. So, you know, that's not something that I was practicing before. Um, And that was one of the really big things that I felt when I went down there uh, to Indiana. So that was, it was an eye opener. It gave you things to practice, things to realize that, you know, you, you try to simulate practice as much as you can, but 
the only real way to know what's going on is just to go and get that experience. So it was it was a good time, good deal. Got to, yeah. up, got to catch up with some folks, and you know it's always fun shooting bows. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think looking at just some of the the pictures and stuff, it looks like that the Indian shoot it, it may take off. It, it seemed like a good venue and good turnout. And of course, like you said, the Iowa um is kind of the unofficial kickoff. Yeah. For indoor. Um yeah. so congrats to those people. We had um in the women we had um Tanya. Tanya, Tanya. yeah. Tanya <laughs> went to a shoot off and won. Um our um I guess the men's pro was was exciting, a little shocker there, but congrats to Chance. Um Yeah, Chance. Is, and yeah, then what... uh Chris Perkins was second and then there for mm-hmm. a moment there was a nine way tie for third place. So yeah. Definitely, and I think it was, I think it was that third place was, Mm -hmm. they dropped three X's all weekend, including the Vegas and the five spot, so that's, that's some incredible shooting. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to, to drop four X's and not be on the podium is, that that blew my mind. (laughs) Of course, you know, and I mean, only one of them actually got third. Who was it? It was, um, oh gosh, Mick. Nick Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Nick Kaplan. So, yeah, yeah, congrats to him. And he got third at um, Rushmore Rumble, too, so he's on a roll. And gold at the uh, the World Archery Shoot. So, yeah, he is. Yes, he's on fire. But, yep. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think that's going to show us we've got some super stout shooting that's going to be happening in these indoors uh, seasons. It's like every time I go and practice and think I do something good, and then I see these scores, and I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just like, map, just keep on going. Yeah. So like you said, um, you know, in the indoor world, Nimes is coming up and then Lancaster um is, you know, the largest coast here. Um and I know you and several um several friends are going. Um I'm not making that trip this year, but um Yeah, I know, just some some (laughs) scheduling with work didn't work out, but Oh yeah. Um but I'm I'm still trying to to do um you know indoor was my first you know last year was my first kind of full season but I enjoyed it more than I thought um I'm still doing some 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 dots here and there in my shop you know just some blind bailing with it but um you know for me right now I'm I'm just total 3D mode but there's still lots of indoor there's Lancaster there's Vegas of course the Super Bowl of archery coming up Mm -hmm. um so those are going to be pretty exciting um so yeah i mean just kind of what you talked about i mean you know prepping for indoor i mean it's just about the same thing with 3d you know situational pressure getting under that seeing how you and your equipment perform and um that's why we have these smaller kickoff tournaments to to really get ready for the big ones so yeah absolutely i don't know what it is about an indoor shoot that it it just irks me <laughs> you know it's like i can go like when foley when foley rolls around here in the next month and a half i'll go and I, i'll i'll feel the nerves you know i'll get nervous or when they're not nervous isn't i'll get excited is what i'll say for that right but because it, it is different for 3d indoors i get nervous 3d mm-hmm. i get excited and, is, right. and it's two it's two different feelings you know and it's well, they're really similar, but at the end of the day, they usually cause different outcomes. And like a 3D, you know, I can shoot three targets and then feel like I'm at home, you know, and just finish the mm-hmm. round. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, indoors, man, it it will 
I mean, I usually get done shooting an indoor tournament. I got a headache, you know, just because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just takes so much focus and just brain power to just not give in or just not slip up. And, I mean, you got to have your process down. And if there's any mistake, it's going to show. Right, right. You know, 3D, you know, you shoot an 8, you shoot a 5. You can miss one, and you're still in it. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's it's a it's a totally different game. I mean, it's bows and arrows, but it's just a different game. It's just a different animal, and uh, oh, for sure, indoors. indoor indoor. I mean, people say this, you know, if you people say oh, I don't shoot indoor, I don't like three D, but you know, indoor really strengthens your three D game because it, it really breaks down your shot and your form. I mean, it's all about hitting that same spot every time. You know, three D. Yeah, you you get a little shaky. You can get away with that sometimes. You know, if you make a Maybe a little bit of a bad executed shot. I mean, yeah, you get a little safe there. But in indoor, I mean, you said it. You drop an X, you're kind of like, oh, I'm done, you know, against the (laughs) level of competition, you know, these days. So, um, yeah, definitely. I get the same way, though, before 3D. I get super excited and I have to really, like, you know, bring my adrenaline down. I know, like, some people listen to music and get pumped up. I cannot do that. I cannot pump myself up because I just... My adrenaline gets, you know, too much, and and I notice a difference in my shooting. So, um, yeah, two different things. Um, but yeah, so then after indoor, I mean, three D. Um, there are a lot of people right now that are, you know, if they're not participating indoor, there are lots of three D things happening. I've got a lot of local shoots my way starting up. I've already been to a few. Um, got one. You warm weather people. Yeah, you know, we do have some advantages down here in the south, good old Georgia. So, um, yeah, it's been nice um, to to really hit hard. Um, I mean, you said you've been prepping for indoors in September, and I've basically been prepping for 3D since October. Um, As soon as I got my bow, um, I just started, you know, shooting, working on form, um, judging targets, getting in front of those. Um, So, yeah, it's... That's all my focus has been on right now. Um, you know, I, I want to have a good, strong showing at ASA this year. and um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, losing my mind here looking at going to IBOs this year. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but. um. Yeah, we'll get you Flatlanders going on some IBOs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, just a couple things, though. We, we reached out after episode one, um, you know, and asked people. If you had any questions or had any topics or things you want us to hit on and um you know so we had a few come in and we'll kind of go through those in a minute and um then talk a little about what's going on in the archery world as well we've had a lot of a lot of things happening lately mm-hmm. um so one was how do you practice judging um i think it's a pretty common question um another cool thing about kind of we're having to redo our our podcast is this past Saturday um myself and Kaylee Johnson were able to um kind of do a little judging seminar yeah well Um, well, you just tell us a little bit about that for for a minute it was really cool um so um we have two local Georgia girls um who have kind of created um their own company called Girls with Bows um their goal is to really promote and get more more women and girls um, involved in archery. Um, they've gone to different shops around Georgia to promote that. 
Um, and Kaylee and I have helped at, at some of those. And then we also had a lot of um, interest and a lot of questions about judging. So we kind of decided to run a little, you know, seminar. And so we, we had a good little crowd at our first one this past weekend. And um, we talked a little bit about judging and, you know, for somebody, let's say you've, you've never judged a target before. Um, you know, first off, we talked about if you shoot in a known class and you shoot any kind of 3D ASA, you already have a foundation to right. judge yardage, whether you know it or not. If, Absolutely. You know, if you shoot a known 40 class and you walk up, you know, oh, yep, that's my max without even arranging it. I mean, yeah, you're used to seeing 40 yards, right? Um, so don't ever say, oh, I can't do it. Um, yeah, we, we all know it takes time. It, it takes, you know, some effort. Um, you know, if you want to be good at anything, that's the case. But yeah, there you go. Um, Ooh, effort. Yeah. That's yeah, a hard effort. Concept. That's right. <laughs> um, but we talked about, you know, um, you, you've got that foundation, whether you realize it or not. And, you know, going forward, if you're shooting known this year and you're thinking about it, hey, go up to a target before you even pull that rangefinder out. Just guess. Just, just you know, use some tools. Take a guess. Um, well, and, and then exactly right what I did when I shot known 40, I'd walk up. I'd just take two seconds. I wouldn't even, wouldn't even run, you know, a full, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, you know, process of like how I would now to judge him but I just walk up there and be like what is it what is it and get a number in my head right and then range it and it's like you people would be so surprised at how quickly they would pick that up if they did that they'd notice halfway through their round that they're seeing it you know and it's they'll be within two or three yards just just from paying attention you right. know Right. And right. so, yeah, you do that at every shoot. You spend a year shooting them. You do that at every shoot and then practice what you can at home. And you'll be pretty surprised at what you can do. Right. Um, so, any other, there's lots of, lots of tools too to practice that. Um, you and I have both, and we talked about this too the bucket or the stake method, you know, just kind of getting used to your seeing what every 10 yards looks like. Um, oh, yeah you know, practicing those, those tricky spots for me, sometimes it's seeing that 40 to 50 yard increment, um, you yeah. know, looking, looking at that straight on from the side, you know, different angles. That's a great way to start. Um, you know, we talked about ground judging versus, you know, target size, which obviously, you know, your target size is, is the way to go. Um, you're studying your animals. That target size is never going to change. You may get to like an IBO shoot and your ground is totally gone or it's very yeah. dis- distorted based on terrain. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, we talked about that a little bit, um, you know, uh, kind of finding a, a waypoint. Um, Kaylee, you know, says she finds, you know, t- 10 yards pretty easily and then kind of goes from there sometimes if she's using a ground method. Mm-hmm. I did 10 yards. Um, I found last year that, um, you know, I can find 10 yards pretty much 99% of the time, but it mm-hmm. would, it would let me down more often than not trying to keep going, keep going. So I, I practiced really just finding 30 yards, 30 yards, 30, yep. knowing what that looked like. And that has really helped me um, even these past few months, just really kind of finding that, that number and go from there. Um, yeah. I tell a lot of people, yeah. I'm like, and if you can, if you can find 25, find mm-hmm. 25 yards, you know what that is. You know, it's okay. That's farther than 20. That's closer than 30. You can find mm-hmm. 25 yards pro class is 50 yard max you know oh yeah 25 yards that's halfway yep 
I mean, 25 yards. And, like, that's, that's hard for people to think sometimes is 25 yards is only halfway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's like you find that 25-yard point. Are you halfway to the target? Are you closer? Is the target closer to that halfway point or to that 25-yard point? You know, and it's you start to pick up on those things. You find those references, you know, things that are consistent and it'll, it'll make it a lot easier on you. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're trying to practice and get better or, you know, make that leap, um, we talked about, um, you know, using a notebook or a notepad or something, carry it around with you, um, write down the name of the target, whether javelina, bear, deer, you know, whatever, turkey, Write down what you judged it for, um, you know, and then range it and see where you're at. Um, <laughs> something interesting Kaylee was talking about was she practices known. Um, you know, she, of course, you know, Kaylee's been doing this for 20 years. Um, it's amazing to when she talked about all of her accolades over the years, mm-hmm. um, you know, even outside of 3D. But, um, you know, she she kind of has that foundation. And, yes, yeah, she'll kind of retrain her brain, get recalibrated each year. Um, but you know, she'll, she'll go out on a range and, and yeah, she may look at it and say, yeah, I think it's this, but she'll range it before she shoots. Mm-hmm. She just really want to get confident in her shot and get confident in aiming and that process. So there's another way, um, you know, just cause you're in an unknown class doesn't mean you can't have a range finder. In fact, we made this statement that range finder in an unknown class can be your best friend. Um, well, you know, I mean, especially practicing all the, I, I sh- typically shoot all the Ohio ASAs. Mm-hmm. West Virginia doesn't do anything hardly and uh, when I shoot the Ohio ASAs over there I shoot women's known 50 like mm-hmm. that's what I do and because that's how I practice right. I go to those shoots and I judge them it's like, okay that's what it is and then I range it and then mm-hmm. right there was my yardage practice now I know how far it is now I make the shot you know mm-hmm. practice aiming at those 12s uppers and lowers and you know, figuring out where I'm, what's comfortable for each individual target. So, yeah, absolutely. Practicing known, that's, yeah. 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 And, you know, when you're practicing unknown, I mean, there's been times I would drive an hour, hour and a half to a bow range and not take my bow with me. Okay. Just, yep. just my range finder. Mm-hmm. Because so many people get tore up about shooting and just... Mm-hmm. You know, well, if I if I aim here, um, if my number is low or high, and I aim, no, don't do that. Don't be the person that's like, well, I'm I'm gonna give it two more yards than what I think it really is, and just hold under the ten range. Like, don't don't do that. You know, just take your range finder with you to a boat club, and just practice getting the number. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't worry about shooting. There's shooting practice and there's yardage practice. And absolutely it's, it's two separate things just take a range finder to a bow club it's got some targets and then just take a notepad with you and t- put your numbers down what your minimum what your maximum it is what do you judge it for and what is it and then you'll pick up on patterns just doing that you know and mm-hmm. then when you do those shoot then you can learn your bow what's your rise what's your fall with your arrow what can you get away with mm-hmm. and then you learn to get that number as close as you can, and then you go, well, if anything, you know, it's going to raise, or if anything, it's going to lower, and that's where your upper and lower game comes in, too, but. Right. 
I mean, some of the best yardage practice, you, you can't have your boat with you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. And we talked about that a little bit, too, um, that, you know, sometimes, like you said, just just go into the range um, and just, just using your rangefinder, not even shooting one arrow. I mean, that's uh, great practice in itself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, your your goal there is, you know, like you said, to, to kind of you know, get used to, get your eyes, get calibrated, um, and, you know, and seeing your, your tendencies on certain targets. Um, that's important. You know, note that. Um, you know, we talked about my nemesis target is the howling wolf. I underjudge this thing every <laughs> time, and I know it. Um, Kaylee talked about, um, you know, her target that gives her trouble, and, uh, you know, she she's an overjudger a lot. Um, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, but um, so that it was a good weekend. Um, we had some great questions, had some good, good interaction and stuff. Good. And so um, if you are on Facebook, Instagram, they're on both, but um, go give Girls With Bows a follow um you know they're they're working really hard um whether you're in georgia or not especially southeast i'm sure they keep at it knowing these two girls are going to keep it growing and if you have a shop and in georgia especially if you're listening and you um want them to come do a girls day or a program with them hit them up um they've been great they've even had some manufacturers do some giveaways um you know for them so um, you know, so hit them up and um give them a follow and um, you know, gonna try to continue to grow grow our sport, especially in the, the women and girls division. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, another question we had was the process of um, you know, shooting. Are you focusing on your target or your pin or a combination of both? Um, and I think you and I both agree to, you know, focus on that, on that target, right? Yeah. Um, when you start focusing on that pen, you're opening up a can of worms. Um, you yeah. Know, it, I, you know, people don't understand why the pen is the problem and it's, well, your pen is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you get tore up on that pen, then the best way that I can explain it to people is you look at your pen, your your brain doesn't want to see it. Okay? Right. Because when that pen gets in the middle, that means your bow's going to go off, which means there's going to be an explosion. And your brain does not like surprises or anything jumpy. It's just the way humans are built. Mm-hmm. And so that causes anxiety. So if you focus on your target and just let the pen just be something in your vision then that's fine and it's going to be a lot easier for you and what happens is when you look at your pen okay your pen wants to get out of your view right Mm -hmm. a lot of people you hear it all the time that low hold low hold and so it's you're looking at your pen and your your pen's just trying to drop out of your view but you keep looking at it right so what it just keeps going down and down and down or left or right or however you whatever way you have your misses okay mm-hmm. you just hear about that low hold all the time and that's 80 percent of a low hold problem now you can still have there's a lot of reasons for a low hold but a mm-hmm. great majority of that is you're looking at that pin and when it drops low you're like oh god i gotta get it back up mm-hmm. you're looking at your pin and it's still trying to run away from you you know and then before you know it you're not even on the target anymore And then when you get to that point, that's when you get major, major target panic. And then that's when you hear people say, I can't even hold it on the target anymore and start freaking out and missing. And 
then you got a whole nother can of worms to deal with. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's Target Panic 101, um, you know, focus on that pin. Um, some of that may be, um, you know, for that person, if they're having struggle with that, that pin sitting still, this is, um, if that's kind of the way you were leaning for that question, this is super, um, super common when I worked in our shop, um, people come and say, I can't get my pen to sit still, or what can I do to, to slow down that pen float? Um, you know, you, first of all, you got to accept that, that pen float, right? Accept that it's going to come back to the middle and it does. It, it's amazing how it does that. Um, you know, if you have a really, you know, good stabilizer and weight set up and that just takes, um, you know, playing, um, you've got to play with that and kind of experiment, see what works for you. Um, you know, how many weights you run? A lot of people say, oh, well, what do you run? I was like, well, when I run, it's not going to be the same for you. Um, she's yep. going to have to, especially, you know, m- man versus woman. That's a completely different, you know, subject there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, but, yeah. I, that, you know, that brings up, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen women struggling. And then them be like, well, this worked for my boyfriend or it worked for my husband. <laughs> my husband yeah. Or I see a husband or a boyfriend like being like, well, this is how you have to do it. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. no. I, I'd say 90% of the time, you're not going to see women run as much weight as, as a guy. It's just not, it's not a thing. Right. Um, you know, and I, I see for some people it works and that is awesome. There are those exceptions out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this level, if you if you're really, really, really wanting to you know be in that competitive mode be at the top you've got to know your own equipment um i think that's important that you know how your bow works how your equipment works um yeah Yeah. you may have somebody set your bow up for you but you do need to know you know those fine-tuned things and weights and those ratios is something that you need to be comfortable with take the time to take them on and off and play and see you know what works for you um so yeah that's that can come back to your pen as well as, um, you know, slowing it down, add a little bit of weight, um, but you don't want to add too much to where it causes the opposite, you know, where you, you're struggling with your bow. Right. Yeah. So, um, I want to swap from a thumb to a hinge. So that was another one. Um, I think that's pretty common. Um, you know, people swapping over, swapping releases. So, um, you know, first off, Always be aware if you're swapping releases, you're going to change sometimes your anchor point, your point of impact. So be prepared for that. Um, go to a shop, try them out. A lot of times you can um, practice them, um, you know, maybe without your bow with a shot trainer and get used to it. But it's like everything else. It just takes practice. You're going to have to find one that works for you. Um, blind bell, right? Oh, yeah. Get a hinge, get in front of a target, five yards, 10 yards, whatever, you know, blind bell and get used to that get used to your 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 timing whether it has a click or not um you know and just focus on it if you know somebody who's a great hinge shooter um like laney smith um <laughs> lesson, i remember um was it coleman or fort benny and i was like laney let's go lesson time like after one of our rounds we went to the uh, oh it was fort benning it was fort yeah benning. yeah so we have a mental breakdown we, yeah <laughs> so we were i was like i was struggling with my hinge last year i was you know, and I had some, some target panic. I had some situational yeah. target panic. And even with a hinge in my hand, it did not mean it was going to, you know, always be a good shot. You can, 
you can have target panic with any release, whether it's an index, a thump, a hinge, and you can rip through a hinge as much as you can punch a trigger. Oh yeah. Um, so you know, it just takes just takes practice. You know, like anything else new, you know, work on it. Um, you and I both shoot true ball. Um, I really love true ball's hinges because their hook locks down. Yeah. Um, that that head doesn't move. I really like the security of that. Um but there's there's a lot of good ones out there. Um if you're looking at can use the same um you know anchor point the true ball goat is a great release because it's the same release and it just swaps between a thumb and a hinge activation um ultra view has their hinge tube and their new thumb button exact same handle so you're gonna have the exact same anchor point you're just changing that that activation process um stan stan's got a, a new system out um, kind of the same thing. So there's some good ones out there. You're just gonna, you gotta play with them. You gotta experiment and, and work. So, but yeah, so that's, that's some questions that we had. And again, if you guys ever have any more, just shoot them in, whether it's, you know, comment on the podcast, Instagram, or just, you know, message, um, me and Lainey personally, and we'll always be glad to answer questions or talk about some hot topics out there. So, cause that's why we have our podcast. We like talking about archery. So yeah, we just like to sit and just talk. That's right. Just want to talk. So <laughs> um, all day long, all day. So speaking of like hot topics, um, lot of changes here lately in the archery world. Um, we've had a lot of manufacturer changes, bow bow swaps. Um, yeah, a lot of them started in the fall. We had um Braden and Tanya. Um, going to Darton, um, Jack Wallace to Darton, um, Chance Bobeth, who just won Iowa program to Darton, um, you know, Darton's making a run right now. They're great people. Um, I know a lot of those guys and they're, they're really, really nice, great people in the industry. So kind of, you know, excited for them and those new adventures. Um, recently here, um, old Kyle Douglas. No, yeah, Botech. Um, that was a, that was a, I was actually surprised, a little surprising move, but um, he seems to be rocking it right now. So, yeah, he was in the he was in the nine way tie for third. Mm-hmm. I think he yeah. finished fourth actually. I think he's one spot off. Yeah. So um, yeah, good ones there, and then Team Matthews coming in strong with Stefan Hansen. Got us an international shooter on board. <laughs> That was a big pickup for Matthew. Big, big pickup. So we're excited to have him join the team. And he actually made a post on Facebook about how he did at the Pro-Am. And he said he loved shooting his bow, but he felt really nervous. Um, he wanted he wanted to go out and, and do well for Matthews and prove. And, um, you know. and he said, you know, now I've, I've got my nerves past me. I think I'm, I'm ready for, for, those next, um, for those next competitions. Which, again, like we said, it's why we have these these um you know warm up smaller events to to really get going so but so yeah um that's pretty much all we had um for this episode i will say that for episode 3 we have our first special guest um Woo-hoo! super excited about that we're going to try a special guest here and there we're we're especially going to try to do some some guests after um, possibly the ASAs or IBOs, um, maybe get some winners in or some podium finishers and um, talk to those guys or girls about, you know, their weekend and what it takes to win and um, 
so forth. So, but we are having, um, and you know, hopefully some guests maybe for some companies. So we are having a special guest for episode three. Um, we're going to keep it a secret for now. Um, and, uh, but, it, but it's going to be a good one. We're going to have a guest from a manufacturer and talk to us about their product and it's something you guys are all familiar with. And Lainey, I both use their product. So yep. uh, we're super excited about it. You'll definitely have to tune in for that episode three. So, but that is all, all I have. Um, yeah. You know, for everybody out there going to Lancaster and, you know, Vegas coming up really, you're in indoor right now, you know, we wish you luck and, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely probably podcast again in a couple of weeks here after Lancaster and talk to you about your experience. And, um, we know you're going to do great. Um, yeah so you've been killing it you've been killing it so you're gonna be up there and uh and then yeah those of you in 3d you know good luck to you keep practicing and um, it'll before you know it before you know i mean i've got my countdown on the folding now and we're excited for that first asa for that first national so yeah but yeah, so anyway, that's that's all we got. Um, we thank you guys for listening. Um, don't forget, if you're on Instagram, to subscribe to us. Um, you know, subscribe to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on a bunch of them. Make sure you subscribe so you can hear that notification when we do drop our new episodes. Um, and as always, if you have questions or have topics or have things you want us to touch on, you know, let us know. And um, we'll talk about it and do our best for you. all right well you guys have a great evening and thanks for listening and don't forget you only get one shot so take that shot jewel all right guys we are here at foley um the first asa pro-am of the year um, and we have super awesome guests with us today. Um, we are here with Tack Veins with Randy and Hoyt Pro Zach Polonsky. So thanks guys for coming on with us. Absolutely, glad you could have us. Yep, no problem. Um, so we're gonna just kind of let Randy talk a little bit. Um, those of you who I'm sure you are familiar with Tack Veins, um, we've been around for a few years now and kind of taken the archery world by storm. Um, we're gonna let him talk a little bit about kind of how like TAC came about, um, you know, how it developed and give us a little history on it. Uh, pretty much started mostly with a concept and, uh, you know, Levi Morgan, obviously you all know him. Uh, he came up with this, you know, idea that if we came up with a really good stiff vein that we're basically gonna, you know, control the arrow a lot better. And so that's really where it started is we wanted to make a stiff vein. Okay, well, how do we do it? So we basically went through and figured out how to get a good stiff vein that has uh, durability. It, it's not insanely heavy or super thick. And so that's what we developed, a good balance between a good weight. We're about 30% lighter than most other veins that are comparable in size. Um, we've got like three times the durability of any other vein out there. So for these guys that are stacking arrows constantly, you know, they're, they're getting beat up and they're literally not having any of them get holes in them, tears in them, you know, like very little damage at all. So we're, we're really going for durability. Um, you know, one of the biggest things obviously for a hunting setup is quiet. Um, so they're insanely quiet as well. Um, you know, especially on that side. Yeah, so um, 
tell us a little bit like, you know, you mentioned, you know, the stiffness and that's kind of what the tack veins are known for, um, their durability and their stiffness. Why, like, why is that an advantage, you know, over other veins? So one of my biggest concepts that kind of came, became clear to me was that like bows have gotten way faster in the last 10 years than they were, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know? So when they got faster, if veins didn't change to allow for better control, that's really what we were going for, is we wanted to make sure that we're creating spin, but not drag. That's our whole concept. So like our vein, you want to fletch it on a helical so that it events, it, it instantly starts spinning the arrow, because otherwise our vein doesn't flap, it doesn't, uh, you know, make that drag, which does straighten the knock behind the point. That's cool, that's fine, but it, it creates other cons in our in our theory um, and so our theory is that if we can get that arrow spinning immediately that's how we're going to basically get that that spin right away and and control of the arrow ultimately um, so you know for a lot of guys that are shooting for unknown distance it's a huge advantage to shoot one or two sight tapes faster when they're shooting the same speed out of their bow so if you're going and you're shooting set up for 3D and you basically have it, you're right at speed max with a floppy vein, but when you get to 20 yards and you're already losing 10 to 12 feet a second, that's a huge disadvantage, I'm sorry. You know, like basically when you have a vein like ours that's gonna carry that trajectory better, um, you know, then you're basically having a huge advantage because it's like you're being faster down there. So for unknown, it's a really big advantage. For known guys, obviously a big advantage just because you're getting more predictability and uh, consistency. I mean, we have a proprietary cutting system that keeps them very, very uniform and very consistent. It's all micro adjustable and, you know, we, we made that ourselves and I think that's a big uh, contributing factor to keeping our consistency the same. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I, I... I weigh all my veins before I build an arrow, and I mean, they're like I said, they're super consistent. You don't really have to worry about about that kind of you know add or take away, and your veins you know not being consistent with the weight. Um, so we have Zach here, and Zach is um, shoots for Hoyt, and he's also um, on TAC Pro staff. And Zach has like made a super awesome. Hey, here's Zach <laughs> on the on the archery world this um, last couple months. So um, let's talk about indoor a little bit. You had an awesome indoor season, um, and I believe you went to Iowa and uh, Rushmore Rumble first, right? Yep, uh, I started off my season shooting Rushmore Rumble. Uh, I went there and shot uh, I shot a 900 with 85 X's. I dropped five X's on the five spot, and then I shot a 30 X on day two on the regular Vegas scoring. And then uh, headed to Iowa, and also shot in the amateur class. Then I shot a 60x on day one, and then I shot a 29x on day two, put me one down for the weekend. And uh, that was it for my amateur career and uh, for the indoor season. Yeah. So then you decided to jump over. I mean, with scores like that, jump over to the pro class um, for Lancaster, right? Yep. So then I jumped over to the pro class for Lancaster right after that, and. Uh, I went to Lancaster, I knew there'd be a little bit extra nerves, a little bit extra pressure, so I was really hoping just to make it to, uh, really making a hope and make the cut for the matches, which is about 10 to 12 down, and I ended up shooting 660, so that worked out pretty well. That's awesome. And you went to Vegas, too. Yep, Where? Vegas, uh, went there day one. Day one was okay, I shot a 26X, um, nothing too special for what I've been shooting in practice, um, but then I did a little 
little changes on my setup and shot a 29x on day two and a 30x on day three to make it for the 900. Awesome. All right, so tell us a little bit about like your, your indoor setup, um, your arrow and your vein setup. Um, I'm running a gold tip triple X uh, with 120 grain point for indoor. Um, I'm shooting it, I don't know the length, I'd say roughly 27 inches. It's super stiff, super short, right to my rest. Um, running a biter pin knock, but then I'm running the tack veins, the, I'm running the driver veins. Um, and I'm running actually not a huge helical, only because I'm running such a light point weight that I felt like I was getting some parachute effect um, with the big vein with a lot of helical. Um, it come out of the bow and since the vein was actually spitting the arrow so good and not just dragging it and slowing it down, I went with a little less helical, just enough to get it spinning, but not enough to overcompensate that really light point. Um, which which driver were you using? Uh, the 3.75. 3.75, yeah. right. Gotcha. So that's the problem I had running too much helical with a light point is that big vein was just taking over too much of the arrow mm -hmm. and doing too much work, and my impacts were getting affected by it. Right. So now um, we're here 3D season. Like I said, we're here down in Foley. Um, what What's your setup look like for 3D? Um, 3D, I'm running pretty short arrow as well, but I'm running a little bit smaller. I'm running the gold tip X cutter, um, 120 grain points, same thing, pin bushing, same knock, everything. I'm just running the 2.25 uh, driver vein um, with a little more helical. Um, I tried the 2.75 with a little less and the 2.25 with a little more. And I liked a little bit shorter vein with a little more. Um, and a three fletch, I was shooting a blade for the last couple years and I actually just switched to a Hamsky drop away and I actually plan to go home and test some four fletch, four fletch. when I get home. Cool, awesome. Um, and what class are you shooting in the ASA this year? Uh, known Pro. Known Pro, awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on and um, telling us a little bit about you know your year and and, and tack. Uh, Laney and I both shoot um, the tack veins. I've shot them for several years, and you know from indoor 3D to hunting. So um, I just feel like it's the best vein on the market. And um, yeah, so we appreciate you guys coming on and hanging out with us. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having us on, and uh, we're glad to have you all. You know, talking about us and everything. So glad to help in any way we can. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.